Welcome to this edition of Back to Basics with Pastor Brian Broderson. Now, the first mention of Babylon is Genesis chapter 11. That's the first place where man is actively joined together in revolt against God. So Babylon becomes a synonym for cities that would be dedicated to the glory of human beings and resistance to God. Today on Back to Basics, Pastor Brian continues his study through the books of the Old Testament prophets. Join us as Pastor Brian resumes his teaching on Daniel chapter 2. Now, here's Pastor Brian. He's going to give away the blessing that God has reserved for Jacob. So, so Jacob and Rebecca, Rebecca comes up with a scheme, Jacob carries it out. But what Jacob and Rebecca did was, was it was wrong. So anyway, <laughs> in this scenario in my own life, as, as all of this stuff is going on, and all of a sudden it dawns on me, oh my gosh, this is the story. It's obviously different players and different circumstances, but very similar kind of a thing to what's happening. And as it dawns on me what is going on and how I connected it with this story, just as quickly as I made the connection, the Lord said this to me, but don't do what Jacob did. <laughs> and I was like, gotcha, okay. I, I get it, I know. <laughs> so, but but I, I just remember it was one of these things where I'm, I'm you know, this whole scenario, I'm looking at it, it's like, gosh, this just seems so familiar. Where have I heard this story before? Where have I seen this before? Oh, I saw it in Genesis. So as we go through our lives as Christians, and I, I love this passage, I quote this frequently, it's uh, Romans 12, four. And it says, or 15, four, sorry. Romans 15, four, it says, the things that were written before were written for our learning, that we, through the patience that are given to us through the scriptures and the comfort that comes to us, that through those things, we might have hope. And I love that. So these stories are, they're there for us to draw from, just as Daniel undoubtedly at this moment was drawing from the story of Joseph back in Genesis. So Daniel, verse 17, he returned to his house and explained the matter to his friends, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. He urged them to plead for mercy from the God of heaven concerning this mystery so that he and his friends might not be executed with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. So Daniel says, you pray. And during the night, the mystery was revealed to Daniel in a vision. We've seen a lot of, you know, it, this is really good. We've seen a lot of prayers answered lately. It's been really good. And let's keep praying. Let's not stop. Let, let's remember God is working. He's at work. The Lord's hearing our prayers. And he does hear our prayers. And he heard the prayers of Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah way back then. And he revealed to Daniel the mystery. And so 
Daniel praised the God of heaven and said, Praise be to the name of God forever and ever. Wisdom and power are his. He changes times and seasons. He deposes kings and raises up others. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to the discerning. He reveals deep and hidden things. He knows what lies in darkness and light dwells with him. And you know, when God answers our prayer, this is what we ought to do. Daniel praised the God of heaven. Thank you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. Not just taking it for granted, but just pausing and, and thanking God. And in Daniel's case here, reflecting on the sovereignty of God, who God is. Now, as I pointed this out last time, um, the theme of Daniel, the theological theme that runs through this book is the sovereignty of God. The sovereignty of God, if you don't know what that term means, it means God's rule, that God is the one who rules over all. That regardless of what it looks like on earth, God is actually the one who's ruling. And he's in charge. And when it's all said and done, what he intended will have been accomplished. So that's, that's the theme through the book of Daniel. And so here, Daniel is just reflecting on that. He changes times and season. He deposes kings and raises up others. Now, remember, Nebuchadnezzar is the most, he is literally the most powerful man in the world at the time of Daniel. There's no one more powerful than Nebuchadnezzar in all of the world. And Daniel, though, understands because he knows God, he understands that Nebuchadnezzar is in his position because God put him there. And that's the only reason he's in his position. So he goes on in verse 23, I thank and praise you, God of my ancestors. You have given me wisdom and power. You have made known to me what we asked of you. You have made known to us the dream of the king. Then Daniel went to Arioch, whom the king had appointed to execute the wise men of Babylon and said to him, do not execute the wise men of Babylon. Take me to the king and I will interpret his dream for him. Arioch took Daniel to the king at once and said, I have found a man among the exiles from Judah who can tell the king what his dream means. The king asked Daniel, also called Belteshazzar, are you able to tell me what I saw in my dream and interpret it? Daniel replied, no wise man, enchanter, magician, or diviner can explain to the king the mystery he has asked about. So he's actually saying, no, I'm not able because he's, he's part of that group. He says, but there is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries. He has shown King Nebuchadnezzar what will happen in days to come. Wow. So here you see something into the character of Daniel. So he immediately deflects the possible glory going to him. Are you able to tell me the meaning of this dream? Daniel says, no, nobody, nobody can do that. 
No human being can do that. No wise man can do that. But there's a God in heaven who actually reveals the meaning of these things. And so here we go. He has shown you, King, what will happen in the days to come. Your dreams and the vision that passed through your mind as you were lying in your bed are these. As your majesty was lying there, your mind turned to things to come. And the revealer of mysteries showed you what is going to happen. As for me, this mystery has been revealed to me, not because I have greater wisdom than anyone else alive, but so that your majesty may know the interpretation and that you may understand what went through your mind. Your majesty looked and there before you stood a large statue, an enormous, dazzling statue, awesome in appearance. The head of the statue was made of pure gold, its chest and arms of silver, its belly and thighs of bronze, its legs of iron, its feet partly of iron and partly of baked clay. While you were watching, a rock was cut out, but not by human hands. It struck the statue on its feet of iron and clay and smashed them. Then the iron, the clay, the bronze, the silver, the gold were all broken to pieces and became like chaff on the threshing floor in the summer. The wind swept them away without leaving a trace, but the rock that struck the statue became a huge mountain and filled the whole earth. This was the dream, and now we will interpret it to the king. Wow. Don't you wish you could have just been there on the side watching and listening? What must Nebuchadnezzar's face have looked like at this point? Wow. And so, your majesty, you are the king of kings. The God of heaven has given you dominion and power and might and glory. In your hands, he has placed all mankind and the beast of the field and the birds in the sky. Wherever they live, he has made you ruler over them all. You are the head of gold. Wow. Now at this point, Nebuchadnezzar must have been feeling pretty good. He's the head of gold. After you, another kingdom will arise. So he's wondering, what, what's ahead? There's going to be another kingdom. It's going to arise. It's inferior to yours. Next, a third kingdom, one out of bronze, will rule the whole earth. Finally, there will be a fourth kingdom, strong as iron, for iron breaks and smashes everything. And as iron breaks things to pieces, so it will crush and break all the others. Just as you saw that the feet and toes were partly of baked clay and partly of iron, so this will be a divided kingdom. Yet it will have some of the strength of iron in it, even as you saw iron mixed with clay. As the toes were partly iron and partly clay, so the kingdom will be partly strong and partly brittle. And just as you saw the iron mixed with baked clay, so the people will be a mixture and will not remain united any more than iron 
mixes with clay. And in the days of those kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom that will never be destroyed, nor will it be left to another people. It will crush all those kingdoms and bring them to an end, but it will itself endure forever. The meaning of the vision of the rock cut out of the mountain, but not by human hands, a rock that broke the iron, the bronze, the clay, and the silver, and the gold to pieces. The great God has shown the king what will take place in the future. The dream is true, and its interpretation is trustworthy. Wow. So, Nebuchadnezzar fell prostrate before Daniel and paid him honor and ordered that an offering and incense be presented to him. The king said to Daniel, surely your God is the God of gods and the Lord of kings and a revealer of mysteries for you were able to reveal this mystery to me. Then the king placed Daniel in a high position and lavished many gifts on him. He made him ruler over the entire province of Babylon and placed him in charge of all its wise men. Moreover, at Daniel's request, the king appointed Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego administrators over the province of Babylon, while Daniel himself remained at the royal court. So, wow, what a great, great story. So, as Daniel revealed to Nebuchadnezzar, this, this image is... It's a picture of these successive kingdoms, starting with you. You are the head of gold, but your kingdom will be replaced by an inferior kingdom. So it goes from gold to silver to bronze to iron, and then to iron and clay. Now, the seventh chapter of Daniel, Daniel himself has a vision and although the, the vision itself is different, the meaning of the vision is exactly the same as the meaning of this dream that Nebuchadnezzar had. But in Daniel's vision, he sees not a statue with gold and silver and bronze, this, this, this beautiful image. He sees these same kingdoms in successive order as ferocious beast. And you, you could say that, that Daniel chapter two is a look at the kingdoms of the world from the human standpoint. Daniel seven is a look at the kingdoms of the world from the divine standpoint. So from the human standpoint, we look at the, the Babylonian kingdom say, oh my gosh, it's this head of gold. It's amazing. And there was a, a, a grandeur and a glory to it. And God gave that glory to Nebuchadnezzar and to that place. And then the next empire came along and it was not gold, but it was silver, but silver is still a precious metal. But it's, here's an interesting thing. The the glory of each kingdom faded in its, as far as its magnificence, but 
it strengthened in another sense because gold is the weakest of all the metals. It's the most precious, but it's also the weakest. And iron is the strongest of all the metals. So it's like you, you have these kingdoms that go from, from this glory, but it's a fading glory in regard to the splendor of it and the majesty of its architecture and art and all of those kinds of things. So, so that is fading as things go along, but the, the power of it is actually getting stronger. So by the time we come to the fourth kingdom, the fourth kingdom is, is of iron and it crushes everything. Now, we know from history what these kingdoms are. At the time, no one knew exactly what was going to happen in the future. So now there's this there's this picture that there's going to be these successive kingdoms. Now, there have been more kingdoms in the world than these four, but these four kingdoms were world-dominating kingdoms. So these kingdoms actually ruled the world. Now, they, they didn't rule every square inch of the world, but as far as God was concerned, they were the greatest empires in the world at their time. And so the Babylonian Empire. Now, the Babylonian Empire under Nebuchadnezzar and his father before him, but mostly under Nebuchadnezzar, the time span of, of the Babylonian empire actually was only about 70 years. So it was a relatively short lived. Now Babylon had, um, actually the, the Babylon of, of Nebuchadnezzar was called the Neo-Babylonian empire, the new Babylonian empire, because Babylon had had, had great power in previous generations. Babylon becomes in the Bible. Now, the first mention of Babylon is Genesis chapter 11. That's the first place where man is actively joined together in revolt against God. So Babylon becomes a synonym for cities that would be dedicated to the glory of human beings and resistance to God. But under Nebuchadnezzar, um, Babylon lasted about 70 years. So it was followed by the Medo-Persian Empire. And so the, the, the Medes and the Persians... Cyrus and Darius, their names are both mentioned in Daniel. They're both mentioned in other portions of scripture. Um, they, they conquered Babylon, not in a contest on the battlefield, but they were actually able to um, breach the city wall, come into the city and take it over that way. And the fifth chapter of Daniel tells the story. And it's the writing on the wall story. It's the Belshazzar story, which we will get to. But that's when the kingdom passed from the Babylonian to the Medo-Persian. The Medo-Persian empire lasted roughly 200 years. And then the Persians were conquered, defeated by... 
a young Macedonian named Alexander, who became known in history as Alexander the Great. And then you have the, the Grecian Empire, which lasted about 130 years before Rome came to power. And, and the rise of Roman power is, is interesting too because it's, a, it's kind of a progressive rise to power. Um, the remnants of Alexander's empire, they, they were still very, very powerful as the, as, the Roman, as the Romans were rising to power and they would battle with one another and so forth. But the Romans ultimately, um, of course, won out. Now, the Roman Empire lasted a long time in different forms. So the Western Roman Empire, that would have been what we would think of as the Roman Empire, the Caesars and so forth. Uh, the Western Roman Empire lasted until 476 AD. And the Roman Empire, the Western Roman Empire, it kind of imploded from within and it was ravaged and ransacked from without by um, the Germans, the Germanic tribes, the Goths. But the Roman Empire had, before that, had divided into two. So remember, there's the two legs on this statue, on this image. And the Roman Empire divided between the West and the East. And the Eastern Empire, Constantine was the one who made that division and set up uh, another palace, another you know, center of power in what became known as Constantinople, the, the city of Constantine. And that Eastern, it was called then the Eastern Empire, and the Eastern Empire did not fall until 1453 when the Turks invaded it and finally overtook Constantinople. And so all of that obviously is history. But the image has not only the head of gold, the arms and chest of silver, the legs of brass, but it has the feet and the toes of iron and clay. And so what I think is the understanding is that there is there is something yet to come that is connected back to what was, but will manifest itself as this um, toes of iron and clay. And it's interesting the things that it says about this phase. So this is, this will be, so there's four, there's four kingdoms, there's not five, but the fourth has this final phase and there is obviously a time period between the first and the second phase of the fourth kingdom.
For the month of December, Back to Basics Radio is offering a book titled, Is Christmas Unbelievable? Four questions everyone should ask about the world's most famous story by Rebecca McLaughlin. Although the holiday season can be filled with fond memories from childhood or the prospect of more to come, the holiday season can also be one of the most difficult times of the year. The longing for those we miss can intensify, or the loneliness felt throughout the year can be amplified. Whether the holiday season brings you excitement or dread, Rebecca McLaughlin will introduce you to the man born 2,000 years ago and explain the significance of his birth for you today. She will deal with the incredible claims of Christianity and will help you see that it is perhaps more important than you think. The book is Christmas Unbelievable, Four Questions Everyone Should Ask About the World's Most Famous Story by Rebecca McLaughlin is our gift to say thank you for your donation to Back to Basics. So we encourage you to call us right now at 1-800-733-6443 or visit us online at backtobasicsradio.com. We'd also like to remind you that all of our other resources are waiting for you at backtobasicsradio.com or by calling our request line at 1-800-733-6443. That's 1-800-733-6443. Our desire is to encourage you in your daily walk with God. We'll continue tomorrow with more valuable insights from Pastor Brian as we study together in the book of Daniel. Back to Basics is the preaching and teaching ministry of Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, California.